Satan wants us to look like the world. We live in a world that's set against God's holiness and righteousness. Holy fire, burn away my desire for anything that is not holy. Thanks for joining us at Hope of Our Calling. Let's get started in our study of 1 Peter. Well, hi there, and welcome back to Hope of Our Calling. Today, we are studying about how submission brings forth fruit. So we're in 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 12. It says, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, Glorify God in the day of visitation. And we touched upon that last week, but it flows perfectly into this section on submission that Peter is teaching us about. Verse 13, it says, Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you might put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be subjected to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience towards God endures grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it when you're buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. So far, we've been exhorted to understand that we're chosen, that we are precious to the Lord. But we've also learned that with being chosen, there is a responsibility that comes with it. And that responsibility, that desire to please the Lord, to hear one day Him state, Well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. That with that desire, we have not only the adversary that is warring against us, who wants to rob and steal and destroy the abundant life that Jesus bought and purchased for us. We also have our flesh to contend with. And it is subject to temptation. And it is subject to trials of faith. It is tormented. And it also goes through persecution. And with that, we must make wise choices every day to see the example of Christ who is constantly moved with compassion, whose first words on the cross were, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now we know this is a difficult state to maintain continually. But it is the state that we strive for. And remember... That when our eyes are lifted, 
when our eyes come off of our problems, when we praise the Lord in the midst of the storm, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We have been exhorted several times in this epistle so far that these temptations are warring against the new life that we have been born into. That we are at a war against the things that we've learned of. About how we need to walk close to Jesus by the spirit of his word. We've also learned that we must flee even the appearance of evil. We have learned that we are pilgrims and sojourners in a world that has rejected the Lord. But we are called to beautiful submission, an example of Gethsemane, when Jesus said, Nevertheless, thy will be done. Our beautiful example of submission is Christ himself. Now, when Peter is exhorting us to have our conversation honest among the Gentiles, back in verse 12, what he's really doing is reminding us of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, 16. Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And that, that is where Peter is going to in this section when he calls us into submission. The Life Application Bible says about this section, When Peter told his readers to respect all human authority, he was speaking of the Roman Empire under Nero, a notoriously cruel tyrant. Obviously, he was not telling believers to compromise their consciences. As Peter had told the high priest years earlier, we must obey God rather than any human authority. He said that in Acts chapter 5, verse 29. What I want to encourage us to take note of today is that though we're called to submit to the authority that God has placed over us, whether it be a master, whether it be an employer, whether, yes, wives, it be our husbands, whether it be a ruler, a governor, a president, we are called to obedience. Obedience to the point that it causes the conflict of doing things God's way, righteously, holy, or doing it man's way, which is flawed and selfish and self-serving. But we are still called to be the light. You remember how they all thought he was going to rise up and conquer the Roman Empire. That wasn't his job here, was it? He was the lamb that was led to the slaughter and opened not his mouth. Because he understood that he was here on earth to demonstrate God's love. There is coming a day where he will be the conquering king. I believe, many believe, it is very soon. But on the day that he walked this earth, it was to demonstrate God's love and mercy and grace as exemplified by the statement, Father, forgive 
them. The entirety of the Jewish nation that had rejected him. Those that had beaten him and mocked him, spit on him, ripped his beard out, opened up his back with a whip, forced him to walk through Jerusalem carrying a beam that would eventually he would be nailed to and hung on. And yet his first statement was, Father, forgive them. It's the heart impulse there. He never committed himself to man because he knew what was in the heart of man was pure wickedness. We all can attest to that, if we're honest. But he was the perfect lamb, completely sinless, yet he died for us. Why? Because he was submitting to God the Father that we might be saved because the bigger picture is in play. The picture of salvation. God would have none to perish. There's only two choices here. We either trust the Lord, love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Become born again in His Spirit, thus reuniting the Spirit that dwells within us with His Holy Spirit versus the spirit of doubt and disobedience demonstrated by Adam and Eve in the garden. They had tasted and seen that God was good. Yet they allowed the robber, the stealer, the destroyer to sow the seed of doubt that they could do better. And with that acceptance of that doubt, they immediately exalted themselves above God as Satan had done, the fallen angel. We are called to something better. We are to walk in the light and to be the light that those in the darkness might see the light and come out of the darkness. The sad part, as John spoke of, but they would not because their deeds were evil. Do you understand that Jesus washes away shame? There's nothing to be ashamed of any longer when you're in Christ. Continuing in the Life Application Study Bible. Today, some Christians live in freedom while others live under repressive governments. All are commanded to cooperate with the rulers as far as conscience will allow. We are to do this for the Lord's sake, so that his good news and his people will be respected. If we are to be persecuted, it should be for obeying God, not for breaking moral or civil laws. So let's take a look in Scripture, because Scripture is always the best teacher. We have two examples in Scripture. We have Daniel and we have Joseph. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Do you remember the story? He had been given dreams, and in his youthful enthusiasm had shared the dreams, which only provoked jealousy. And because Joseph was, was brought under his father's wing and was taught by his father the things of the Lord while the rest of the boys were out and about, he was a favored son. The boys grew jealous. 
They threw him in a pit. They intended to kill him. They sold him. He went off to slavery in Egypt. Genesis chapter 39, verse 2 and 3. It says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Joseph, from what we read about him in Scripture, was a humble man. He was a man that loved the Lord. And in every storm, and he had quite a few, he turned to the Lord. And when he was challenged by Potiphar's wife that he would lay with her, and he said, how can I sin against God? And she accused him of rape, attempted rape. And though he was a favored slave by Potiphar, his master, he now had this false slander against him, and off he went to prison. But even in that trial, God used him. God raised him up, not only to be a dream interpreter, which eventually led him into the house of Pharaoh, but also the prison guard saw how Joseph was in his affliction. He trusted that the Lord was working all things to the good for those that love him. And he was brought before Pharaoh eventually. And he, was, he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And Pharaoh was moved by God and put all trust and authority upon Joseph. Joseph was a 30-year-old at this time. And in that authority, God used Joseph not only to save the Egyptian nation during the famine, but to save Israelites as well. In the midst of storms, we must praise the Lord. God knows all. We are loved. The other example we have in Scripture is Daniel. God promised his people blessings if they obeyed his laws. But he also promised that they would be punished if they chose to disobey. Unfortunately, God's people chose to live like those who didn't know the one true God. God warned his people over and over to repent of their wickedness, of worshiping false gods. And after many years of sending prophets and urging the Jewish people to return to God, the majority of the people still did not. And so God kept his word, and he punished them for their wickedness by allowing Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, to invade Judah and take the people back as prisoners. There was three deportations, and Daniel was in the first. If we look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Then the king instructed Aspenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants, and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies, and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. These young men were to be completely immersed into the Babylonian culture. 
And the king's desired result would be that they looked and acted like Babylonians and not like Jews. Peter is telling us in verse 11 that we're sojourners and pilgrims. Basically, we're living in a foreign land that seeks to make us look and act like them. But if we remember, Philippians 3.20 says, Our citizenship is in heaven. And Peter has been drumming this into us since we started this. We have been born again. We are now citizens of heaven. Our touch in this world needs to be light. We need to be seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all things. Not only to the transforming of our minds and souls, but also to be that light Jesus told us to be. But Satan desires that God's people would look and act more like the world than followers of Christ. And unfortunately, we have a battle in the church for that right now. There are too many that call themselves Christians and yet act like the world, self-seeking, self-exalting, and even self-righteous. The humility of Christ is not the fragrance that they put off. There are bands and lights and technicolor in our churches these days. This is a good way of testing your intent in God's ministry. Is the spotlight on you? Our job is to point the way to Christ not to draw attention to ourselves. We serve by the capacity of of his Holy Spirit moving through us to do his will and his work because then all glory goes to him. Remember, we're just earthen vessels. I commonly say I am just a cracked pot that he pours himself through to touch the lives of those that are dying. But that takes my submission to him. Satan wants us to look like the world. We live in a world that's set against God's holiness and righteousness and peace. Of course, this robber, stealer, destroyer wants to steal God's joy, God's abundance. What God's plan is for us, Satan wants to steal that from us. If we practice what we're learning in this study, that understanding that we're pilgrims and sojourners and this world is not our home, we're just passing through, then we will seek first the kingdom of God in everything that we do. First thing in the morning, Lord, good morning, how are you? Please put that helmet of salvation on my head, that breastplate of righteousness, that belt of truth, the shoes of peace, that shield of faith, and that sword of the Spirit, Lord. Hide your word in my heart so I won't sin against you. By the way, what do you got planned today, Lord? Let's go. Raise me up to meet that challenge, Lord. Praise your name. You get the glory in my life. And then it will be an e-ticket ride. For those of you that don't understand that, ask your mom and dad. They'll understand. It's from Disneyland. Anyway, if we practice what we're learning in this study, in our devotional time, in fellowship, 
we'll be able to stand out and not lose our reputation as being a true Christ follower in a world of darkness. That's what this study is all about. So let's go back to Daniel and his friends. Each of these guys, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But in actuality, their names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Daniel's name was changed to Belteshazzar. And Bel was a false god that the Babylonians worshipped. Hananiah received the name Shadrach, which means inspired of Aku, another false god. Mishael received the name Meshach, meaning belonging to a coup. And Azariah received the name Abednego, which means servant of Nego, another false god the Babylonians worshipped. But check out their real names. Daniel means God is my judge. Hananiah means the Lord is gracious. Mishael means who is like God. Azariah means The Lord is my help. So every time these boys heard their Hebrew names, God was glorified. But the world didn't want that. The world wanted them to look like every other Babylonian. Thus we get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God is the one that's in the business of giving new names. We each have a name here in this world. But one day, Revelation chapter 2.17 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone, and on that stone, a new name, written which no one knows except him who has received it. God is talking about those that overcome this world. We're going to be given a new righteous and holy name that is only known by us and the Lord. In Revelation chapter 3.12 it says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down from heaven from my God, and I will write on him My new name. So if there's any name changing to go on, I want it to be that God has given me a new name. I do not want to look like the world. I do not want to act like the world. I do not want to respond like the world. I always want to be the ambassador for Christ and let people see him in me. Back to our story of Daniel. So we have Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These three boys would not bow down and worship a false god because they only worship the one true and living God, as should we. And for that, these three boys, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, were thrown into the fiery furnace. But in Daniel 3.25, we hear, Look! He answered, Nebuchadnezzar, I see four men loosed, walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, no, no. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And then the wonderful blessing, the fruit from the trial, the fruit from the submission to God Almighty and not to the world was found in verse 28. It says, Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, that they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. And then he goes on further, and he says, Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss the god of Shananiah, Mishael, and Hananiah shall be cut to pieces, and their houses shall be made an ash heap, because there is no other god who can deliver like this. These boys served as a light in the darkness. And then later in Daniel 6, we see Daniel not worshiping a false god, but God alone. We see Daniel being thrown into the lion's den. But because of Daniel's righteousness before God, but faithfulness before the king... In 6.19 we hear, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you constantly serve been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me. And it goes on to say that the king (laughs) decrees that in all of his dominion of his kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. What kept Daniel consecrated to the Lord during his trials? We find that in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Saints, we have to remember that God is working all things to the good, to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. To trust that, we have to believe Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God. God is God. But God so loved us that he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross, brutally slain, to pay the wages of our sin, that he might give us grace, give us mercy, give us his spirit that we might be born again and live as citizens of heaven, being the light to those here on earth. We are chosen, but we have a responsibility to be an authentic ambassador of Christ. Till next week, keep your eyes up and remember the hope of your call. 
For more information about Kendra Martin and Hope of Our Calling, you can email her at KendraMartinMinistries at gmail.com or visit the website at www.hopeofourcalling.org.